we've, we've started this, this, I say new series, but really this is a new journey for us as, as a church. It's not just four weeks. This is a new lifestyle, a new rhythm that we're, we're wanting to, to go on as a community and us learning in a, a more and more intentional way to walk in the ways of Jesus. And so that is the title of my message this morning. It is The Way. And last week we were talking about, you know, just the reality that we don't measure our spiritual maturity by our emotional maturity, and we were talking about a number of things that get in the way of our walk. Today, I want to talk about the fact that we so often get caught up in doing for God and not being with God. And, and with that, you know, I'll share a little bit of a story, you know, about seven or eight years ago, I... I bought this church leadership course, and uh, for myself and and uh, Melanie, who was on staff back at the, that day, and Thomas, who is we're watching this, that he was he was leading our worship at that point in time, and we're going through this, and you know, had a, a number of good things. There's some practices that were in that that we already that we still do today that were that were helpful in terms of how we organize things and structure things and make things work really well, but. One of the things that was said in this course was that you need a constant pipeline of volunteers because you're going to burn them out about every five years. And so the conclusion of the guy leading this course is that people volunteering for the church are going to get burned out from volunteering, you know, after about, I think it was maybe three to five years. And so you need a pipeline of new volunteers all the time because you're going to burn them out. So just, you know, accept that. And honestly, at the time when I, when I was doing the course, it made sense to me. Because I was on this crazy wheel myself and, and of probably working, you know, 70 hours a week at least. And that had been my life in church. You know, when I was, when I was not in a paid church position from a volunteering, I was easily putting, you know, working in my job and then coming and doing all kinds of volunteer work in the church. And so it was easily 70, 80 hour weeks that I was putting in. It was crazy. But this was what I believed was normal. You know, and I'd been taught things in church like, you know, we've just got to get stretched and stretch our capacity or things like we can rest when we get to heaven, you know. Or, uh, you know, other, other crazy things like, you know, we've just got to sacrifice for Jesus and, you know, it's, it's, you know we're, we work hard in these ways. And so it was like, oh, this is an expectation of being a follower of Jesus is that you've just got to do all this stuff. And the, and the underlying thinking behind that was that God's will on this earth is not going to get accomplished unless we're the ones bringing it about. And, you know, sounded good. And it was what everyone else around me was doing. It was what I was doing. And so at the time when I'm reading this in a course, it's like, yeah, you're right. You're going to burn people up. But there was something in me going, this is really, there's something wrong in this. And then eventually I burned out. You know, after uh, probably a year or so after reading this course, I hit my own wall. And, and when you hit a wall of burnout, it's not just a like, oh, okay, I need to take a day break, right? You hit a wall of burnout, then it's actually it's going to take a couple of years before life starts getting back to normal because you end up physically exhausted, spiritually exhausted, you know, just mentally exhausted. And then I really knew something was wrong because when I looked at my own life and the fact that I'd gotten to the place of burnout, 
it in no way, that doesn't reflect what Jesus teaches. In the very scripture, one of the scriptures we were looking at last week, that Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, that doesn't jive with the teachings that, you know, we'll rest when we get to heaven. And interestingly enough, the way so often in the West we live Christianity doesn't in any way look like the way Jesus modeled it out for us. And it's so important. I know that this pandemic created this incredible reset for people. I started a reset in my life when I, I went through this burnout. And I was forced to do a reset and, and forced to re-examine how I was living and what I was living for and what my priorities were and why I believed what it was that I believed. But so often we can just keep going, right? We just keep going with life and we just go with assumptions. We go with cultural assumptions, family assumptions. We go with assumptions maybe we've even been taught in church. But what we end up doing is we end up doing for God instead of being with God. And here's the problem, right? I mean, Christians shouldn't burn out. That actually shouldn't be. We sh we, that's not a state that any we should be in if we're actually following Jesus. If we're, if we're yoked to him, if we're disciples of him, if we're apprenticing under him, he did not exemplify burnout by how he lived. His life was busy, but he developed an incredible, well, it's not that he developed, he had, he was fully God and fully man, but he modeled out for us what it was to have, to have an interior life with God, an internal life. He would withdraw and be with his father. You know, he didn't go by the different expectations that people had from him. He didn't try to do everything. He only did what his father was doing. And he knew what his father was doing because he was spending time with him and, and understanding what it was that he was supposed to do. And the, one of the things, sadly, in the West is that we're absolutely terrible at teaching people to develop an interior life with God. And I'm, I'm really excited right now because I'm seeing across the board in, in many churches that like, God is going, hey, this has got to change. The pandemic's been a help with that because it forced a change on everybody's life. It forced us to go to reset and go, hold on, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? And, and in that, people have been rising up and, and returning to things, spiritual disciplines and returning to the practices of Jesus and actually looking at Jesus' life and going, actually, we need to live like that if we're actually going to have the results that we're meant to have. Now, Jesus did have a full life. He wasn't just sitting around doing nothing. He was busy all the time. Or his, he had, you know, we see, uh, uh, he was always active. But not necessarily in the crazy, phonetic pace that we live in today. And it brings it back to the story that I finished with last time, that story of Martha and Mary. All right, I'm going to reread it. I, mean, I read this scripture last week. I'm going to reread this scripture because it's such an important one for us. And it says here that as Jesus and his disciples, this, this is, sorry, I'm reading from Luke 10, verse 38 to 41. For those online, I apologize. And for this here, I didn't give them the scripture to put up on the screen. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary 
who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen the better, and it will not be taken from her. You see, there, Martha is doing what most of, a lot of people do. She's like doing for Jesus, she's serving Jesus, but she's not actually with Jesus. She's not actually sitting at his feet. She's not learning from him. She's just doing the things that she thinks she's supposed to do. You know, and, and we end up in our life, in a craziness of our life, we end up focused on what we should do, what we have to do, what the pressures are, what the distractions are. And those keep us actually from sitting at the feet of Jesus. What we're doing today is so important. I, I want to encourage you. I want to inspire you that when you leave from this place today, there'll be a change in, in what you do. And we'll, we'll talk about that as we go along. But so often what we do, in, especially now that we've got podcasts and we've got YouTube videos and we've got online sermons and we've got you know, TV, radio, all the different ways, is that we spend most of our time living off the revelation of others. We don't develop our own relationship with Jesus. We listen to people that have a relationship with Jesus, hopefully. And then, and then we like, oh, okay, yeah, we just feed our brain with more and more information and hopefully some of it will stick. And hopefully, but we're so busy, we never can put any of it into practice. And that's got to change. And we see the results of it in the West and that the church has shrunk. It's become ineffective. It's probably like realistically 3 to 5% of Canadians that are actually followers of Jesus at this point in time, yet it used to be called a Christian nation. But it's the church has become weak and sick and ineffective. And the world looks at it and goes, you offer me nothing different. Actually, what the world offers me better than what it is that you're offering. Why? Because we're actually not offering them a life with Jesus because we're not living one. We're offering them programs. We're offering them the opportunity to give their money away. We're offering them the opportunity to get, come, you know, here, add some extra things to your time, add some extra volunteer responsibilities, give your money, and uh, hopefully you'll be happy. Are you happy? Uh, well, let's not chat about that. Let's just do these things because hopefully it'll, it'll turn out well. That's not a relationship with Jesus. You know? Us, us have, <laughs> I'm glad you're liking it, Glenda. <laughs> ah, thank you for the encouragement. It helps. You know, but all those things I listed are not bad things. They're actually all things that we do as followers of Jesus. We do gather together. We do sacrifice our time. We do use our money in different ways. We do give it away in a different way than the world does. But it should come out of a place of intimacy and joy in our lives being completely transformed. So why doesn't this happen? Well, I want to show you a little video before I get on to the next piece. Now, I want to thank our awesome, I want to thank Kirill and the rest of the audio video team because at about 9.15, 9.20, I emailed them from my office going, can you upload this video for me? Can we make this work? 
And at about 9.48, as I'm trying to work, make it work from my office and they're doing it here, Kirill's like, hey, I got it working. It's all good. Thank you. You guys are amazing. So, well done. I am going to end up, just for your sake, I'm going to end up talking over this video at different times just because of time this morning. But I want to show you something. The way that Jesus lived. And until we move beyond the idea that Christianity is about showing up at church on a Sunday, hearing a bunch of ideas, and then going out and living like the world, we'll still be no different from the world. And we'll continue to wonder why the, 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 the fruits of the Spirit are not in our lives and the gifts of the Spirit are not in operation. You know, I, I've, I've, I just, I'm more and more convinced that as we learn to walk like this, as a community, we will see the reality of Jesus in each and every one of our lives. It's not about one or two gifted individuals. It's about us choosing. It's about us choosing to live the way of Jesus. Choosing His way. That means there's a reality, right? It says in Scripture that we can't be friends of the world doesn't mean we're angry and hatred or things along those lines. It's the things that the world chases after, the things that the world prioritizes. If those are our priorities, we're never going to actually live real Christianity. It just, it won't happen. You know, until we're in a place where actually we've made a decision, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. You know, and maybe we have made that decision. You're here today, right? You're watching online. You're here like, no, I'm trying to follow Jesus. And what I'm dedicated to and what I thank, thank goodness that there's others that have been over, you know, throughout church history and are at this moment in time, is that I want to lead us in walking in this way together. That as we move forward as Lifehouse Church, it's us moving forward in the ways of Jesus. And what that looks like is us actually slowing down, you know, doing things the way Jesus did, having a Sabbath. You know, back when I was working 70 hours a week, there was no such thing as Sabbath in my life. That was something of the Old Testament. You know, one of the other wonderful teachings is, you know, you know, like Jesus is the strength. I don't need that, right? You don't need a rest. Yeah. But Sabbath was something that was important. It wasn't not the way the religious leaders practiced it in the ridiculous way that, that, that they did, but having a day to rest and be with God, that is so important. We all need that. There's not one of us in the room that doesn't need that. Because God's created us that way. Having the discipline, the discipline to learn to play a, musician, a musical instrument like that, that's a daily task. Right? For us to learn to walk in the ways of Jesus is a daily task. You know, it's a daily dedication to time with God, a daily dedication to slowing down, to being with Him, to having time in the Word. It means that we have to choose to get rid of things from our life that get in the way of that. We have to choose to go, you know, we can't be involved in everything that the church would offer or everything that the world would offer. And it's such a common thing today, we, you know, especially if you're a parent, oh, my kid's got to be in this lesson and that thing and that thing, you know, or we've got all these different things to do. Or, you know, if I just work these many extra hours or that extra job, I'm going to be financially ahead at the expense of our souls. 
at the expense of our souls. Right? And then we get what the world offers. And we don't get what God offers. And he never says, I will give you what the world... He never says, look, just chase after the things of the world and uh, that's good and I'm going to help you with that. Right? He doesn't say that at all. He says the absolute opposite. You know, in the 1950s, okay, 1950s. So imagine the technology we have today, how crazy busy life is. We look back on the 1950s and go, I, I don't know, I do. I look back, and that, life seemed more peace, like a slower pace then than the craziness of life today. And there's a, a cardiologist, his name was Mayer Friedman. And he noticed something about all his patients, that they were all stressed out and busy. There was this common element in all his, cardi his, his patients that had had a heart attack. He said that they were, uh, they were focused on a continuous struggle and unremitting attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things or participate in more and more events in less and less time. Thomas Merton once called the rush and pressure of mo uh, modern life a pervasive form of contemporary violence. I say that again. That the rush and pressure of modern life is a pervasive form of contemporary violence. It's violence against our souls. Hurry. It kills relationships. You see, love, it takes time, and hurry doesn't have it. It kills joy, gratitude, appreciation. People in a rush don't have time to enter the goodness of the moment. It kills wisdom, because wisdom's born in quiet. Wisdom has its own pace. It's slow. It makes you wait for it. Hurry kills all that we hold dear. Yeah. Spiritually, Health, marriage, family, thoughtful work, creativity, generosity, you name it, hurry kills it. <laughs> hurry, I believe this is John Mark Cormer saying this, he says, hurry is a sociopathological predator loose in our society. John Ortberg framed it as this, he said that hurry is not just a disordered schedule, Hurry is a disordered heart. And Eugene Peterson, creator of the Message Bible, this is what he wrote about Matthew 11. You know, this verse about the, the, the yoke, the light and easy yoke of Jesus. He wrote that in the, this truth lies the secret of the easy yoke. The secret involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle, our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies, go, going the extra mile, turning the other cheek, or suffering patiently and hopefully, while living the rest of our lives just as everyone else around us does. It's a strategy that's bound to fail. For us, moving forward, if we are going to truly be able to have to live in the ways of Jesus, then we've got to adopt the lifestyle of